You are now listening to Cyber Time Bite, hosted by me, Stephen Clark. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Hey there, everybody. It's your boy, Steve, once again, for episode 84, 84, a cyber time bite. Is that, is that crazy? I know it's pretty wild and all that stuff, but, um, God, I'm almost up to 90 episodes. I think that's legit crazy, legit crazy in my eyes. I mean, I thought, I'm so glad this podcast is doing well, honestly. Um, but today I'm with, um, I'm with someone who has known Mick Foley for almost 20 years, who runs shows that raise money for a very, very, um, good cause to, um, to eliminate cancer from America and the world and just everywhere. Um, and he, and he just, and he wants to just, you know bring good in this life and just eliminate something so deadly that it's crazy um today i'm with uh today i'm with um joe abel of um of i don't know where he where he's from but you know uh, sarasota florida yeah sarasota florida how you doing i'm doing well thank you for having me so we got we got we got started off man um what got you in the wrestling business? Back in the early 80s, I used to design jackets for the Road Warriors and the Midnight Express. I always had uh, a love of art, and I used to draw, and I used to take wrestling magazines, and I'd draw my favorite wrestlers out of the wrestling magazine. And I'd go down to the Baltimore Civic Center when I lived in Baltimore, and I'd take my art book and I'd have uh, the people that drove up to go into the to, the to do the shows. I'd catch up with them and have them sign my art art book. And I ended up doing jackets for the Road Warriors and the Midnight Express. I did a T-shirt for Sergeant Slaughter. And after a while, I started hanging out with them at the hotel and I got to learn their lifestyle. And I said, I'm too small to be a wrestler, but I could be one of those pesky managers like Jimmy Hart or uh, Jim Cornette. You know, I'm small and I like to run my mouth. So that would be perfect for me. And um, I found a wrestling school and I got trained and the rest is history, you know, as they say. So you're a manager right now in the business. I was a manager. I was a manager for about 20, 25 years. And then I went into promoting. And um, that's all I do now. I promote my one show a year. And I donate all the money to the American Cancer Society. So where did that come in? Like when did, when did I'm going to start doing shows to raise money for cancer societies become something in your life? Well, I lost my mother, my father, my aunt, my uncle, and my grandmother all to cancer. Oh. And then about six years ago, 
my wife got breast cancer and that's when I said enough is enough. Something has to be done. What do I know that I can do that can help raise money for the American Cancer Society? And then it hit me, you know, I've been in wrestling for, it was 20 something years at the time. I said, I know how to run shows. Um, I know all these wrestlers. Let me put something together and fighting for a cure was born. That, that's really cool, man. Uh, the, how you just stood up. And you're just like, no, it's enough, man. We got to do something about this. You know? And I was surprised to, to see how many people, you know, wrestlers jumped on board with, with helping me do the show. You know, because without them, there wouldn't be a show. Without the volunteers, there wouldn't be a show. And now... As soon as they hear I'm planning fighting for a cure, I get emails and texts from wrestlers I don't even know asking me to be on the show. And, um, you know, I, I can't thank everybody enough. Yeah, because um, I'm pretty sure through this project, you met so many, so many heroes and legends in the business that it's crazy, like, so many people you looked up to and so many new faces that you haven't looked up to but just met for the first time. It's, it's got to be it's got to be an amazing, radical feeling, man. Well, it, it, it reminds me, you know, of my childhood when I was designing jackets for the Road Warriors and, you know, the Midnight Express. I, I was in my teens and just meeting them for the first time. You know, it's, it's pretty exciting to see somebody that you watched on TV, and now you're becoming friends with them. Yeah, it's really, it's really, um, that, that is really something. I mean, like, you, as you know, the road, not the road warriors, the Midnight Rock and Roll Express. I, I'm getting, I'm getting them all mixed up now. Um, the Rock and Roll Express. We know, I know that they're working in NWA right now. What is your thoughts about NWA and its hot streak that's going on right now? I miss those days of the old NWA. Um, you know, I grew up watching the old NWA, Georgia Championship Wrestling, and and now I don't I don't really I don't want to say I don't pay too much attention to what's on TV. I can't tell you the last time I sat through a whole WWE. Uh, Monday Night Raw or, or SmackDown. I'm not real happy with the product. Um, AEW, you know, I'm hearing about um, things they're doing. You know, I'm catching it over the internet. Um, I've yet to sit down and actually watch a full episode of AEW. I haven't watched Impact in, in the longest time. Um, so I'm, I'm really not in the loop with with watching anything anymore, but I do catch wind of it over the internet. And I think the rock and roll express just won the NWA tag team titles again, if I'm not mistaken. And I'm so happy for them because both of them are great guys. Um, a while ago when I was doing the jackets, they had approached me about doing jackets, but by the time I did the jacket, the NWA was, was folded. So I never got to to get them their jacket, but um, 
I saw Ricky Morton um, WrestleMania weekend when they were in Orlando a couple years ago. And, um, you know, that was when they were going in the Hall of Fame. And um, I congratulated him about going in the Hall of Fame. And both those guys, just super nice guys. So they deserve everything they get. Do you, um, do you take, like, like when, what's this for, say, somebody wants, wants you to make a jacket for them? Would you do it? I haven't designed a jacket since the 80s, and I quit drawing. So I'd have to say absolutely no. no. What, um, what, what's your favorite jacket that you made out of the ones that you gave out and the ones that you have still? Well, I didn't give any out. I mean, the Road Warriors threatened to sue me if I sold any without their permission. They knew I would probably make a killing um, mass producing the, the Road Warrior jackets. I was going to, um, I was in negotiation with the Midnight Express to mass produce their jackets, and they disappeared. You know, the NWA went under, and, and, um, they didn't go under, but they, they sold and, and turned into WCW and, you know, they disappeared. And, um, I think I would have done well selling the Midnight Express jackets, but, um, I like them all, you know, all, all the jackets that I produced and, and the t-shirt that I did for Sergeant Slaughter, that was the first thing I did that came out really nice. And, um, I got to meet Sergeant Slaughter and and uh, it was funny. I'm sitting there talking to his business manager, and we're inside the Baltimore Arena, and the garage door came open, and in came this big, long camouflage limousine, and I knew who was in it. And Sergeant Slaughter stepped out, and Rick Martell stepped out, and um, Sergeant Slaughter liked the T-shirt that I had, and they prom- they made me promise that I wouldn't sell any without their permission. And that, that was the furthest thing from my mind. You know, I, I was just a fan trying to show support. And um, they knew I was on to something. They knew I could have made a lot of money doing the jackets and the T-shirts. And um, I stuck to my word. I never sold any jackets and, and any T-shirts without their permission. The, 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 thing, the thing that I... Um don't understand though about about the nwa is that like you said the nwa folded they turned to wcw and the wcw is, was bought by by WWE, and the and the nwa is back like what happened there i think a new company probably you know bought the nwa from whoever because there's nwas everywhere there was an nwa chapter in florida um, running a couple years ago. There's NWA chapters all around. I think what they did was just all got together and said, it's time to put NWA back on TV. And competition is always good. Um, without competition, things get stale. People get tired of seeing the same thing. So I think they did that. Um, I think they brought the NWA back to... Um, go back to the roots, you know, from, from where they first came back in the eighties, you know, they wanted to bring people back from back in the eighties and it still has value, you know, and that's a proven commodity, you know, it's a proven commodity. You mix 
some new guys in with the old guys, and I, I think they're going to do okay. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like, I mean, like, nostalgia is a big thing right now, so I wouldn't, I'm, I'm not surprised that the NWA is doing hot. You know, I was surprised. Um, you know, when they, when they let Jim Cornette go for the remark that he made. You know, I, 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 Cornette's a smart man. I think back in the, in the 80s, he could have got away with what he said. But now people are so sensitive that you have to watch what, you're, what, what you say. Yeah, I mean, like, 20, 2020, technically, you know, people are, you know, so can be a little sensitive to subjects and you got and you gotta be so careful what you say or else you know things go haywire and whatever because you know everything's just all over the place now yeah i mean people people have become so sensitive that things you could got away with you know 30 years ago you you can't say nowadays and um I think I think Jim Jim Cornette will be okay. You know, I think he has enough money where he can just sit back and relax and not have to worry about things. And to be honest with you, if if I called him tomorrow or got a hold of him tomorrow and said, "Hey, how about coming and and doing my show?" He'd do it. You know, he'd do it in a heartbeat. Has he done it before? Um. No, he, I mean, he, he hasn't done a Fighting for a Cure show yet, but I wouldn't mind having him on the show. Be, yeah, because, cause, you know, I'm not, trying, I'm not trying to make this a shoot, but, like, but like, do you think he would really, do you think he would really, um, I mean, like, because, you know, he, he he's a smart guy, you know, he knows what he's talking about, but, like, he he can sometimes, he can sometimes, you know, be a little. He could be a jerk. Yeah, sometimes he I can be a jerk. I, I I see some of his Twitter posts and 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 what have you. And I've known Jim for as long as I've known Mick Foley. Okay, and he's not he's he's always treated me with respect. And I got to work against him, and I got hit with the tennis racket. And he's always been cool to me. And part of me thinks that he does things and says things for shock value. You know, I don't know if he really believes what he's saying, but I think he says it just for shock value. You mean to, to rile up the fans? To rile, exactly. Exactly. You know, um, he has his own reasons for doing it, and... As long as he doesn't target me with any of his his garbage, then um, you know I, I still have nothing but respect for the guy. You know, I, I have nothing but love and respect for the guy. Um. So let's talk about your after the jackets thing, and you get done doing the jackets and all that, and you're and you're like a full blown manager at this point. Okay. Um. What promotion do you start in, and how long how long were you doing that for, and where do you started with it? 
I started off in Baltimore, Maryland. The first uh, promotion I was with was an indie federation called the Mid-Eastern Wrestling Federation. And I was there off and on for probably about eight years. I went to Maryland Championship Wrestling for a short period of time when they first started up. And then I bounced back to the Mid-Eastern Wrestling Federation. And I traveled to Philadelphia and West Virginia, Virginia. So I was up and down the East Coast, Georgia. And then I moved to Florida in 1998. And I started working the Florida Territories and stayed in uh, Georgia for a little bit, working there, and um, just doing different gimmicks. Um, I, I was known as Joe Cool. I did an albino gimmick. Uh, I was a lawyer named John Q. So I've had I've had a bunch of different gimmicks. I was a stripper named Gigolo Joe Cool. Oh, That's another. That's another story. I'd run in in the middle of a match and take my rip away pants and rip them off and start dancing in the middle of a match. And the two wrestlers would back up like, what the heck is this guy doing? But the fans loved it. The fans loved it. That's the point. I mean, like, that's the point. You, you just you do whatever you need to do to give your to give yourself heat or or uh, or I forget the other word right now. Oh, heat. And I forgot or a bit, the word did not get heat. I forget the word right now. But oh, you're just trying. You're trying just to get yourself over. You know, any yeah, reaction out of the crowd, you know, is is good. And you know, you you can't see me right now. You've seen pictures of me. I I don't have a muscle in my body. I can't dance. So ripping away the pants and start dancing when the the party boy music comes on. The crowd just loved it. The crowd ate it up. It, it was funny. Yeah. And, you know, that's what I'm all about. I'm all about entertaining the fans and and having fun doing it. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, like, when, I mean, like, it doesn't matter if you're in the match or you're just a guy running in into the match to entertain the fans. If you're entertaining the fans in general, you are doing your freaking job. <laughs> exactly. That That's what it is. It's, it's, you know, that's why it went from sports, you know, now it's sports entertainment. They have to throw that entertainment in there because that's what it is. You know, and, and all the wrestlers doing their thing are out there to entertain you. So there you go. Um. So so like how? Uh, have you ever came close to working for like WCW, ECW, WWF? Like, were you? Did you ever come close to working for them? I had my. I, I'd be lying if I didn't say I had chances. Um, you know, as a manager, it's a lot harder to make it to WWE or WCW or ECW because male managers are pretty much a thing of the past. You have Paul Heyman now. That's about it. You know, you don't have... Back, back in the old days, you had 
Freddie Blassie, you had Jimmy Hart, you had Captain Lou Albano, you had Bobby Heenan, you had Jim Cornette, you had Jimmy Hart, you know, you had, their managers were, were a dime a dozen back in those days. And once they stopped um, using the male managers, I knew my chances were slim to none. But I came along at the right time where I had guys, you know, two of my trainers were Axel Rotten and Gilbert, Dwayne Gill. Mm -hmm. And Axel was going up to ECW and Dwayne was going to WWF, you know, WWE. So through those connections, I had my chance and I never, I never went for it. I designed, I designed the jacket for Paul Heyman when he first got into the business. Um, he heard about me doing jackets for the Midnight Express, and he got my phone number, and he called me up, and he said, Hi, my name is Paul Heyman. I'm a photographer for a wrestling magazine. I'm getting ready to get into the wrestling business as a manager. Can you do a jacket for me? Sure. So I've known Paul Heyman for, you know, 20-something years now. And I actually got to work against him. But um, to make a long story short, he was running ECW, and we had half of ECW's locker room coming down to Baltimore to do shows with us. And I was pretty friendly with Paul, but I never bugged him about going to ECW. You know, I didn't think ECW was a right fit for me. I saw what they were doing, and they were violent, and I didn't want to get killed. You know, I like I like my life, and I just didn't think I would be a good fit for ECW. And the same with, you know, like I said, um, when Jim Cornette came to work for us in Baltimore, he was running Ohio Valley. And I just got done working against Jim Cornette. And I asked him about coming to Ohio Valley to work. And he, he said I could, and I never went. At the time, I was married to my second wife. And my son was probably two and a half, three years old. And I didn't want to leave my wife and son. So... I, I just didn't go to OVW. And that was the years, those were the years where Randy Orton came out of OVW, Batista came out of OVW. I think Eminem might have been there at the time. But, um, you know, I was there with, with that whole group. I, w I would have been there with that whole group had I gone. So it's funny how life, you know, throws these little curveballs at you. And um, looking back, I wish I had gone to either ECW or OVW, um, but you can't change what what happened in the past. You can only go, you know, move forward. Mm -hmm. So you know, I have a lot of regrets, but um, you know, it it all worked out for the best. So um, but so besides your thoughts, 
and everything you just said about about you having the chance going there. What was your favorite promotion out of those three promotions? What, which one was the one you liked watching the most? Watching the most, like WCW or or WWF or or ECW. Yeah, ECW, WCW, WWF. Which one do you like watching the most? Back in back in the day, though, they were all. I liked them all back in the day. Um, I can't. I'd have to pick my favorite time would be the Attitude Era in the WWE. Um, E when you had Austin, The Rock, The Undertaker was still doing the the old Undertaker gimmick. Um, back in those days, you know, I, I really liked um, watching the WWE. Um, WCW, I watched it, but I didn't think it was as entertaining. And ECW was just 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 too crazy. You know, I, I, I thought somebody would, would end up dead, you know, in ECW. New, New Jack. Didn't New Jack kill a guy by accident? Oh. Yeah, the mass transit. Uh, well, the mass transit uh, incident happened where uh, the kids said that he was trained by Killer Kowalski and the kid's father backed up the story, and Paul put him in there with somebody, and the kid ended up dying. And it might have been against New Jack. I think it was against New Jack. And um, it was all it was all found to be, you know, BS. The kid was never trained. Yeah, you don't. Yeah, that. Yeah, you don't freaking go in the ring untrained. I mean, you gotta at least know a little. But absolutely, but you don't go in there knowing absolutely nothing. Right, right. You know, and that, and that's why they say don't try this at home. You know, <laughs> common sense. But nowadays, anybody that that um has a wrestling ring, all of a sudden he thinks, oh, I'm 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 a wrestler. It doesn't happen that way. You know, go to go to a school, get trained. By a reputable school, a, a teacher, you know, you you have a lot of backyard guys, and they think just because they can do the moves, they're 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 pro wrestlers. And and like I said, you know, go through the proper procedures. Go through a nice reputable school uh, with a teacher that's been somewhere, you know, that knows what he's talking about. Yeah, because if you don't, because if you don't, if you don't know anything about the wrestling business at all, and you're getting into the business, don't even try, man. Just find something else, you know. See, it's a lot easier nowadays to get into the business because people just they they, they just want to run shows. They don't want to put on good shows. They just want to run shows, and it, it it's horrible because. The, some of the people that are in the ring now have no business being in the ring. Because because is this a shoot to the modern town saying they don't know how to wrestle? Yeah, yeah. I'm not I'm not shy when it comes to saying that either. Um, like I said, everybody that has a ring all want to put on a show, but you don't know anything about the business. You know, it's a business. It's not just. 
oh, I can just get guys to come out and wrestle and there's a lot more but there's a lot more to it than than just that so so like wait wait let's you... let's put it this way when i was breaking into the business okay they wouldn't let just anybody in the business they tested you and what i mean by that is they'd bring you into the ring and they would legit beat your ass okay and make you bleed and make you black and blue to see if you were tough enough and if you wanted it bad enough to come back. Okay, nowadays you can't do that because people are too quick to say, oh, he beat me up in the wrestling ring. I'm going to sue. And it's horrible. It's horrible because it's not tiddlywinks. It's not ballet. It's pro wrestling. It's a physical sport. You know, you got to learn to protect the business. Nowadays, people don't protect the business. You know, you see, you, you'll see two guys that are wrestling in a match before the show talking to each other in front of the crowd. Okay. That's not protecting the business. That's exposing the business. You're not leaving it to people's imagination. If, if they see you talking to the guy that you're wrestling, how are they supposed to believe that you're, you're going out there killing each other because you hate each other? You know, they don't. They see you talking to each other. They see you patting each other on the back. You know, you're all friendly. No, that, I'm, you know, that, that's exposing the business. Yeah, I mean, like, it's not like, you know, it's not like how it used to be where there was a heel locker room and a face locker room. And and if you were caught in the face, and if you were a heel caught talking to the faces, you would be instantly fired and all that. I mean, it's not like the 80s and the 70s anymore, man. Right, right. And, and that's what is is hurting the business a lot. You know, that between that and, like I said, there's too many... Too many indie federations running that have no business at all running. I mean, like, I mean, like, I, I mean, I understand that things have to change because, you know, you know, like things change, you know, over the years, over the decades, you know, I mean, but like, I don't know what, honestly, I don't know what happened there between like. The 70s and the 80s and like the early 90s, where when when the when the when the heel in the face locker room and all and all that backstage stuff about like keeping it that secret ended, but but like, I mean, I've, okay, think, let's think of it this way. I I feel I feel like heels and faces being separated like that can still be a thing. If they if if so if Twitter and Facebook were not around, or if they were around but they didn't have like and everyone didn't have like a Twitter and all that stuff, I feel I feel like that would save the kayfabe. Like, see, you just you hit the nail on the head. You you answered your own question. Once the internet came to be, it, the business was exposed. You know, people knew. Dirt sheets were out, and people had insiders. And when you started post, they started posting everything on the internet. Now you can get spoilers and spoiler alerts, and you can find out 
backstage happenings and what's going to happen ahead of time, and that that killed everything. But as far as kayfabe goes, you know, it doesn't have to be two separate locker rooms, okay? It can be one locker room, but keep it behind closed doors, you know? If you take it backstage where none of the fans can see, you're fine talking to, to the guy you're working against. Don't do it out in front of the crowd. And, and I see too, too many people going over their match ahead of time in the ring when the doors are open and you have the fans coming in. That's just idiotic. So, it so, drives me absolutely crazy. And I think that's why Jim Cornette says a lot of what he says because he sees how, cra- how, how, how crappy it is now. So, so you, so you think that, so, so you're saying that that it's all right to break kayfabe if they're in the private of the locker room, but if they're outside the locker room, it should kayfabe should be should be turned on. Absolutely, anytime you're seen by the crowd, and you're and, and you're and you're talking to who you're working against, or if you're a heel talking to a baby face, or your baby face talking to a heel. How are you supposed to go in the ring after the fans see you talking to the guy, giving each other high fives, you know, smiling, laughing, carrying on, and have them believe that you hate each other? It's like Sergeant Slaughter and and uh, the Iron Sheik or the Iron Sheik and Hacksaw Jim Duggan getting caught riding in the same car. You know, how are you supposed to believe that they hate each other that much when they're seen riding together? You know, and that's that that's what hurt Kayfabe a little bit too when that happened. The whole Jim uh Jim Jim Duggan getting caught with the Iron Sheik smoking weed in, in the car together when they were supposed to be feuding. Well the well here's the thing. If if Hacksaw Jim Duggan was in the same car with, with Slaughter and Sheik and Sheik at the time, Duggan would be dead because as you know, back then Slaughter had so much heat teaming up with, with uh with Colonel Mustafa and the Iron Sheik that they that Sergeant Slaughter was getting death threats, almost probably killed himself by the fans and people around him and everywhere that he went because he got that much heat. Oh yeah, he said he had to wear a pro, uh, a bulletproof vest under his his outfit because he was afraid he was going to get shot. But um, no, the hacksaw Jim Duggan Iron Sheep thing happened. They were caught smoking weed going down the road together, and they were supposed to be feuding. Explain that one to the fans. You can't. You just sweep it under a rug and and act like it didn't happen. But you know, keep it behind closed doors. If if you're talking behind closed doors and none of the fans can see you, then there's not. You don't have to worry about breaking kayfabe because the fans can't see back and back. Yeah. I'm... But if you if you have it out in front where the fans can see, you're just killing the business. That's all you're doing. So like. So do you think wrestling can be saved in two, in 2020? Yeah, I think um I don't know what it would take. 
I'm not, I think um, I, I I think AEW, from what I can see, I think they have a lot of work to do. I thought they were going to do okay at first, but I think they need a lot of work. Um, and, and WWE, I don't know what's going to happen there. NXT, um, NXT might be their future right there. They, you might see Raw go off the air. You might see the end of SmackDown, but I think NXT would take over. I could see something like that happening. Um, There's no because they're already building up NXT, you know, so much. What was that pay per view that they just had where they had NXT versus Raw and SmackDown guys? It's Survivor Series, wasn't it? Yeah, but but here's but here's the thing. Here's the thing. There is no way. I don't like swearing, but there's no way in hell that Raw and SmackDown would ever go off the air because Raw is like their is Raw is their profiting program. That's that's been on since I was born. Like literally the year I was born, that show came out, and and that show has been running ever since. And and that show's been like you know you see you've seen the numbers. That show has numbers. They they're always topping the TV market every single Monday night. SmackDown is start is gaining that same that same steam as Raw's getting now because they're on a higher network. NXT is just popular because all the indie fans have all their indie boys in that in that in that brand right now. And the network, you know, having everything that you can ever imagine is doing well. I mean, like, it's just no, huh? number numbers. I, I keep I keep hearing about numbers, but I don't think they're drawing that. The ratings aren't doing that well. I don't think. You don't think not even when your friend. Not, not even not well. Your friend fully came on the television with the with the twenty four seven title. I mean that 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 was one of the many things that gave him ratings. That was how many months ago was that? Five, six, July, August, September, October, November. Five months ago. Okay, now recently, you know, you're seeing the same, the same four or five guys every single Monday and. What's going to happen? The fans are going to get tired of seeing the same four or five guys every Monday, and um, it gets it it gets stale. You got to keep reinventing it and and bringing new guys in. And from what I'm seeing, you know, and reading, it's 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 just not happening. Has uh, has fully ever invited you to come on to um um. Has Foley ever invited you to come on to Raw with him for a segment or whatever to work you into a segment? Nah, that wouldn't be his call. That would be Vince's call, and and I don't see why they would need me to do anything. To be honest with you, I mean, if if I was invited, I would go, but I don't I don't know of any reason they they'd actually need me on, on Raw or anything. Well, because well, because no, I say that is because like you know, remember when like a few years ago they had Tommy Dreamer come back and he was wearing all of his House of Hardcore stuff and Dota E said nothing about it. He just kept wearing it. I feel I feel like that they would have you on there like the if Vince if Vince has the the freaking like not not freaking but um the grapefruits 
if he has the grapefruits. Yeah, to, to bring you on to advertise your shows. Um, I feel here's I, the whole thing. Here's here's the whole thing. They won't do that, and I'll tell you why. Because they do their thing with Susan G. Conan, yeah. and um, they they won't mix with another. They won't mix with an indie federation trying to do something good. I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you a funny story, and then I got to get rolling in a few minutes. Um, I used to run here in Venice, Florida. Okay, that's where the first four Fighting for a Cure shows were. A place called the Venice Community Center. Mm-hmm. While I was running there, Vince McMahon decided, "Oh, that's a nice building." I'm going to run NXT there as well. Okay, so you had two wrestling federations running out of the same building. And they would always book their show either the week before mine or the night before mine. Okay. Mm-hmm. What, which, which do you think the fans are going to go to? A WWE show or a, a, a indie show? Now before they're going to go to the, the one more popular. They're going to go to NXT. Yeah, and that would kill attendance at Fighting for a Cure. I had Road Warrior Animal on Fighting for a Cure uh, three, and he he told me that with Vince running there the night before, that's what hurt my attendance. And and you can't compete with that. So I ended up moving, you know, fighting for a cure. I wrote to I wrote to the WWE, and I explained the situation. I said I'm just trying to do something nice for the American Cancer Society, and they didn't even respond to me. You know, it, they they don't care about indies, they don't care about anything like that. But um, you know. And they don't want to team up with any any indies or anything to do anything. So it is what it is. And um, so, you know, real quick question. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But no, you're okay. Go ahead. But like you, you were running your shows off full sale before NXT started running their shows in full sale. No, not full sale. Venice Venice Community Center. Venice Community Center. Oh, Venice Community Center was um. That that oh that's it oh NXT was like running like running some shows out there for like a week or something while you were running your shows there at the same time. Right, right. I'd I'd run my show at Venice Community Center and then uh, NXT would book their show at the Venice Community Center. So I I'd have to compete with NXT in that in that building. And it's horrible. Now I don't have to worry about that. I got a building where I'm the only I'm the only wrestling federation running out of that building, and he will not book another wrestling group there while I'm running there. And and I'm guessing Foley comes down every time to to help you out because you guys get along, and he supports your cause, and he, you know. Well, I don't I don't want to have him every year. You know, I just had him in July. Um, I don't want to have him again this year because the same people that saw him last year probably won't pay for a meet and greet because they already met him last year. So I'm looking at a couple other people. Um, 
for special guests this year and I'm negotiating with them to try to get them to come in and I'll leave I'll leave you guessing with who it is but they're going into the Hall of Fame the WWE Hall of Fame this year. Harlem Heat. How's that for a cliffhanger? <laughs> is it is it the NWO? <laughs> <clears throat> Maybe not the whole NWO, just two uh, two guys. Can I say it? Go ahead. Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. Bingo. Oh, man. I, I, I'm negotiating with them, bringing them in uh, for this year's Fighting for a Cure show, which is Sunday, July 26th, right here in Sarasota at a place called Joyland. That, that's... that's... Awesome, man. That is really, that is rad. I mean, Hall of Famers, man, you're putting on your show. That is so cool. I appreciate that. I had, I've had um, Killer B, Brian Blair there. I've had Tugboat there. I've had Road Warrior Animal there. I had Mick Foley there. I had somebody who just passed away today who I'm very sad about, um, the Rock's dad, Rocky Johnson, who passed away, God rest his soul. He was there last year with Mick Foley, and I dubbed them the Rock and Sock 2.0. And, um, man, he was just such a great guy. Rocky Johnson was an amazing man. I, uh, I, um, I, know, I know that you said you had to, to get going a little bit. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, but I want but I want to put out there real quick two things I want to put out there real quickly. Um, if you ever like if you ever come to the Chicago area and run one of these shows out of Chicago, because I don't know if I'll ever make it down to wherever you do your shows on a regular basis. I don't know when that's ever gonna happen because I don't think I'm ever gonna get that kind of money to go down there anytime soon. But um, but if you but if you come out to Chicago and run your shows or whatever, I am 100% down. I will. Do with me agree. I'll do whatever you need me want me to do at the show. Um, if it's for for a great cause, I got it. Um, hey, I appreciate that, man. You know, I, I wish we had. I wish you were here, man, because I would let you do a live podcast from the show. You know, I have two live podcasts that usually, um, you know, come to the show every year, and. Um, I have different wrestlers come on their podcast. And I'll tell you what, my way of showing appreciation to you, you know, having me on your show and, um, and, and, you know, you plugging my show, I'll, I'll see what I can do with hooking you up with some other wrestlers for you to interview. How's that sound? That'd be fantastic. I, I don't know if it'd be Mick Foley, but I'll, I'll see what I can do. That, that would be amazing, man. If you, if, if you, if for somehow, some way can get, can get fully to get on the podcast and get and get some other guys that are really cool from the in the business on. I would I would love that, man. Thank, thanks a lot. Hey, anytime I can help you out, you know, you just let me know because you you've been more than gracious. You're you're a great host, you know, um, great interviewer. You know, anytime I can help you out. Hey, thanks, man. Um, so on that note, let people know where they can find you, and I'll let you know where you can find me. <laughs> you can go on Facebook and search Fighting for a Cure, and our Facebook page will show up. And I'm also on Twitter. Um, 
I think it's fighting for a cure on Twitter. Um, or my email is always fighting for a cure at gmail.com. You can, um, you can find, thank you. I want to thank everyone for listening to episode 84 of cyber time bite, by the way, you can find me at, um, at cyber time bite on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter at nostalgia vamp and buy my merchandise at redbubble.com under crash Steven gear where everyone knows that that even all of you know that the spork is the most powerful of them all pick up my sport shirt pick up my uh my uh great minds think alone and when you walk alone you have the strongest direction shirt those shirts are amazing those are my favorite ones i have made so far pick them up just do the thing, man. Listen to the podcast, buy the merch, have a good time. And for me and for Joe over here, I want to thank all of you for coming, for checking out the podcast. And I hope all of you have a great day. Have a good one. Thank you.